Romans 12.1 says that, uh, Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship to God. Now, the Oxford Dictionary defines sacrifice like this. It says, uh, one, it's an act of slaughtering an animal or person. Uh, Two, it says it's surrendering possession as an offering to God. Uh, uh, Another meaning is uh, it's an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Now, there's a lot of people that will look at uh, what Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, and the other uh, men did uh, as a waste. They would see uh, what they gave up, what they sacrificed, uh, what they did that for was not worth it. Uh, But these men had something that they treasured, and it was Christ, and they wanted to share that treasure. And they would give up anything for that, even their lives. Now, we looked last week at how there are two different kinds of altars. Uh, One, there's the altar for making sacrifices. And two, uh, the other is a a memorial or a monument of remembrance. And in fact, we, we see that people still make altars of remembrance today. We have monuments all over our country. We have makeshift monuments people make as uh, kind of sacred space for those whom they're remembering who maybe tragically died in some way. So we, we see them everywhere. Uh, we even have them in our homes, uh, in our offices, uh, tokens, uh, objects of remembrance. Um, but it's, it's more rare for an altar of sacrifice to be built and used today in, in Western culture. Uh, as Christ followers, we, we no longer have altars of sacrifice because Jesus Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world once and for all. He was the final sacrifice. Jesus was crucified on a cross as our substitute, and he died the death that we should have died. And But after his death, he rose from the dead, uh, proving the power that his sacrifice was real and that he could give indestructible life eternal life to others. That's what his resurrection proved. Now, this life given to those who believe by faith in Jesus is given as a gift. It's not giving as uh, a gift as something earned. Uh, It's for those who humble themselves, knowing that they need to cross over from death to life. Uh, This gift of grace, this life, gift of life, is for people who recognize that they need forgiveness of sins. Uh, those who believe that God has the right to punish them, but in Christ, punishment is put upon him instead. That's mercy. That's mercy. For 11 chapters of Romans, God's mercy, withholding and forgiving deserved punishment, and then there's God's grace, the undeserved gifts. They've been described for 11 chapters of Romans. And then when we get to chapter 12, it rolls around and it begins like this. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. Therefore, 
in light of all that was just described of faith, the cross, God's holiness and might, uh, His mercy, His grace all summed up in Jesus Christ. Because of all this, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. A living sacrifice, that almost sounds like an oxymoron. I mean, it just seems two words that don't go together. I mean, shouldn't a sacrifice be killed? But instead, the response to grace is to live and to live for God. Some people will see that as a waste. But if you've encountered grace, it's the most obvious thing to do. It's the thing that you want to do if you've encountered grace. You want to offer yourself to God. Give yourself, giving your body to God as a response to grace. Well, Nate Saint, his sister Rachel, uh, and others who continue to work with this tribe in Ecuador did it all as a response to grace. They were living for him in a way that, that some people would say is a waste. Most people would understand. But they didn't intend to die, but they were willing to die as they followed the steps of their Savior, offering themselves as living sacrifices, giving up uh, careers they could have pursued in the States to go live in a jungle, uh, to live simply. Uh, There were sacrifices that were made uh, to learn a different language, to bring their children and to raise them in a different culture instead of the culture of the States. So there were sacrifices that they gave. The story of Nate Saint and Rachel uh, Saint, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, it's an amazing story. I encourage you to read more about it. You can find it. Just look it up on the Internet. Uh, you can find some great books that are written. Shadow of the Almighty is one uh, by, uh, by Jim Elliott. Um, it's an amazing story of those moved by grace to go across great boundaries of culture, language, borders to share the good news of the gospel. They gave up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more worthy. Now, we can do the same thing in our responses to grace, although... It might not be crossing a border, might not be crossing into a different culture or another language, and it may not seem as extraordinary or at the risk of our lives, but there are people every day in this city of Asheville who are offering themselves as living sacrifices as their response to grace, the grace of God. And uh, I, I think that it's easier for us to see a story or to hear a story, to see an example than rather to explain this. So I've invited a couple of people uh, that I'd like you to meet and hear a little bit about how they, in simple, everyday kind of ways, are offering themselves of living living sacrifices. So uh, Brittany, would you come on up here? And Jim, uh, would you come on up here? Oh, yeah, we probably do need that. Now... um, I know that um, there are other people out there who are doing this, um, other examples, but be, these are two people that I know, and uh, they, they were agreeable enough to uh, join me, not knowing exactly what might happen when I bring them up here. So, but uh, Brittany, I just want to, you uh, are from Nashville, uh, you met uh, Jason and Doreen while he was doing student ministry there. And uh, you came out to visit for a while, uh, did some things, uh, being involved with Highland. You went back to Nashville, and then you came back, and you decided to start your business and kind of start your career here. Why, why did you do that? Well, like Shannon said, I'm from Nashville, and my family has been around summer camp and after-school programs 
for the past 15 or so years, um, my parents have started several programs there. And when I went back home, I helped them start a program up and was there for two summers and two rounds of after school and knew I wanted to come back to Asheville and do a program here. And when I came back, looked around, was looking for you know facilities for places to um, that would maybe work to do it and just kind of do kind of how my parents have done where they've done it kind of on their own. And I remember talking to Michelle Sullivan um, several years ago when I came back and was just like, or before I came back and was like, this is what I want to do and just kind of talking about it. And then one, I don't even know, I was talking to Sherry. I'm like, why don't we, wait, why don't we just do this with under Elevate and um, start the summer camp and after school program um, through that. And basically it just turned into this beautiful partnership. So it's not me out on my own. And there's this umbrella of Elevate that I'm under um, that really in hindsight seeing um, you know, when I was, before we even started, how it is such a protection for me and just support for me that I don't have here, that I did have in Nashville when I was doing it alongside my parents because they were kind of that umbrella. They'd been a part of it, done it, you know. And so it's really an awesome thing to be under. So it's kind of just decided to come back to Asheville. I love the city and love Highland and what it stands for. Cool. Well, I know that in doing that, you putting your business and, and what you're building in after-school care for children, that, uh, that there's also a portion of your income that goes to the city center. And so it's a giving back. I know of people who are going to uh, master's programs in business that are learning to figure out how to do this triple bottom line that people call it, and, and you know, where they're um, earning their, their money, they're, they're making business, but they're giving back to the community, and they're also giving charitably. And you're doing that, and, and you, just, you just did it. Um, and I'm, I guess there's, there's surprise at that, but uh, tell, me, tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, why you decided to do that, and then also just some of the, uh, are, are like all the parents that are bringing kids, are, are they from church, are they not? Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. So basically, um, what, I don't know, some of you may be like, what is she even talking about, summer camp after school? So basically, we have a summer camp program that has started up that meets here 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Exists for working parents um, that need that care for their kids during the summer, but, you know, don't want to hire a nanny to come on or, you know, don't want to send them to um, camps that are just, just another option. So basically, that's what we do. And then after school, we pick up from Asheville City Schools um, and provide after school care until 6 p.m. for the students. And so, um, yeah, basically, the parents and it's just the community. It's kids from Asheville City Schools, from Claxton, from Isaac Dixon, from Let's see what other schools from Art Space, um, Rainbow Community School. There, I have no idea. There may be some parents out here now because it was cool. Just had some conversations with some parents that were going to come check out Highland. But yeah, so it's not. Um, it's primarily parents outside of Highland. Um, I would say students that aren't a part. We, the schools here, are very um, generous in sending out flyers um, to the students. 
kind of promoting different camps and options available in the summer. So that's where we come from. So within our program, um, you know, we get the question, are you guys a religious organization? Is there going to be these, you know, classes taught? And sometimes it's from an angle of we definitely don't want your kid or my child to hear about anything to do with any religion or we are okay with it. So basically, you don't know which end of the spectrum that children are going to come from, but our goal is to provide a place where, number one, the parent knows their child is safe, and number two, that they have the best time. And it's been really cool this past week um, having some of the kids phase in that are already out of school, um, some younger kids especially, and their parents are like, they just can't wait to come in the morning, and they are seriously running through that door. And when it's time to go, they're like, feel like they just got here. So that's what is our goal is to provide a place where their children are having an awesome time at an affordable rate. So it's not, you know, it's not out of their reach. Well, that's cool. That's a great thing. And I know that they're getting loved on here and uh, you're part of that. And uh, one other thing I just want to ask you, Brittany, I know that you've been involved in one of our gel groups uh, here at Highland uh, with some other uh, crazy families that are here this morning. And, uh, and with that, I know also you volunteer with Fight Club, uh, do some uh, mentoring with kids uh, outside of like the usual time. So what, what compels you to do that, to meet with young girls uh, in kind of a, let's go do something fun or kind of a mentoring kind of way? What, what compels you to do that? Um, I think it was cool this morning as we touched on the mission and vision of Highland is love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ. And that, I mean, making it simple, that's it. The love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ. You think about him extending that to us. And how do you be a good friend? How do you love well? How do you um, be a loyal friend to someone? And so just with other students and um, that kind of thing, it's, hey, I'm number one, have to go do this thing anyways, so why don't you come along with me? Or, hey, I'm going home to visit my family. Do you want to come to Nashville? And, you know, if we make it through that and you experience crazy family and then you're like, okay, you can still mentor me. We're good. Um, You know, that's a step. But, yeah, so it's basically just boils down to the love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus and um, being a good friend and I know when I was in high school, it was so important for me, that relationship, having that mentor in my life and that person that I could go to when, you know, something was going on and I just needed someone to talk to and talk it out with and they would just listen. And now um, the person that was that in high school where I would consider her a best friend now and it's a mutual friendship. It's not like, oh, you're my little project over here. It's just this mutual friendship. So I really... The word mentor, I think, can scare people off, but really it's friendship. It's having a friend and Christ being the center of that friend. And that's what I love about Highland is that there are, touched on gel group, um, which it's doesn't have to be, um, like this whole friendship thing doesn't have to be peer-to-peer. It can be, you know, you have someone in there, um, you know, that's 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road or 30 years down the road, and you have someone who's you know, the same distance behind that you're just friends with. And obviously, you know, there's going to be things you can talk about with, you know, you're, you're not going to talk about with someone who's, you know, 20 years older than you that you would your peer and that kind of thing. But it's just a cool circle that's very natural. So it's not this 
thing that it's not like full of effort and striving and trying to do it. It just kind of fits naturally. Yeah. Well, thank you for making it a part of your natural lifestyle and giving your time uh, to the community, to the church, and to individuals in our church. Thank you for doing that. And that really is a picture of a living sacrifice, offering yourself, offering your life to God, and uh, giving it away to others. So thank you, Brittany. Thanks for sharing. So, Well, uh, Jim, uh, I want to turn to you. And uh, Jim is one of our gel leaders, and uh, you may not have seen him around here because he's one of our crew that's committed uh, to being at the, the Gray Eagle, so I stole him away uh, for this Sunday. But uh, Jim, you're, uh, you're actually trained as uh, more as a, a scientist, software right. programmer yep. with, with what organization? Uh, the National Climatic Data Center. Yeah. It's over here downtown that we have all the weather records kept by the United States back to like George Washington kind of a thing. So, right. Up to the latest weather satellite. Right. It is amazing. I guess we've talked some about this. They, they have written, oh, written yeah. data that hasn't been things is crazy. transferred to computer files yet. So yeah. it's amazing records. But you, so basically, you're trained as a physicist, right? right. Yeah. You're a physicist. School. Yeah. But you know how to write software programs. So you're kind of that go between between the scientists who need software right. programs, mm-hmm. but they don't know. How, you understand what they're saying when they're right. talking their geek speak, right? Yeah. 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 So now yep. this is what you're trained to do. This is your job. But then you got involved with the gel group, and then all of a sudden you're you're contracted, or in a sense, to be a wedding coordinator. <laughs> how did that happen? Tell tell us the story of how you became a wedding coordinator for a few weeks. Oh uh, well, um, at the time, I, Heather and I, my wife, were part of Doris Howard's gel group, and there was. Uh, young couple that had come in to Highland, literally they were feeling a need to, they weren't married yet, they were feeling a need to like connect with God and they decided one Sunday morning, it's like, you know, if it rains today, instead of going and playing soccer, we're going to go check out this place in the orange peel, back when we were still in the orange peel. And so sure enough, it rained that Sunday. God, God made it rain and they showed up and they ended up you know, they ended up in Doris's gel group. We were there too. And as we were working through them, with them about all kinds of different things, you know, they came to the conclusion that, you know, as they were growing in faith that they wanted to get married and wanted to, you know, and there was a whole bunch of things behind that just in terms of a bunch of different needs and sorting those things out and all that. But it came to the point where there's like, yeah, we need, we want to get married here. We want to, you know, this is what we want to do. And so we basically put on a flash wedding. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, you know, got a pavilion down at Carrier Park. And then it was like, well, there wasn't going to be a wedding cake or anything else. So it was like, oh, we can't not have something. So, like, at the house, we built a, actually, my oldest daughter had this idea first. Uh, but had, we made a wedding cake out of cupcakes. So I made a cupcake wedding cake. And I made a little cake topper to stick in the top of it. I drew a little thing of them in their outfits <laughs> and stuff and stuck it on top of the cake. And so we just, but we just put this thing on in like basically a week. All right. And it was, it was just, in the end, it was just made of awesome. It was just tremendous fun. We had a great time. It was a real blessing for everybody that was involved. But it just basically came down to seeing this need and loving these people and wanting to help them, you know, make this as joyful an occasion as possible and the least stress 
I guess you could say possible. So it was. It was a. Happened. It was a fun wedding. I, I was. I remember. I got to officiate. I had the honor to do that. And, uh, a lot of family members were connected, and uh, it, was, it was a real bridge building time for a lot of family members. So yeah. it was a good moment, and uh, that that was really special. That that you kind of took time uh, to do that uh, from your normal routine to break stride and and to. Uh, interject uh, a wedding and helping someone pull off a wedding and uh, that's really special now I, I know that's not the only moment I know that uh, now you're, you're you and Heather are leading your own gel group right. and and uh, there's other folks there but there was a I think something in your routine uh, mm-hmm. where you met another couple right and and uh but it was just kind of part of your routine of work and what you did and and tell about how you met this other sure. couple and how they got connected with highland yeah. all right well one of the things that like just to back up a half a step here for a long time i'd read about and dreamed and struggled and failed to try and start making things happen like in the church where i used to be when i lived in Hun- i used to live in huntsville alabama so when we were there the church we were part of, we kept trying to see if we could foster things that were much more like Highland is back there. And I'd done a bunch of reading and scheming with friends and stuff about trying stuff, and we just never were managing to put it together. And probably just, I'm just, I'm lacking certain skill sets and all that, need more support than we had, whatever. But one of the things that I read in the middle of all that was an encouragement said, you know, wherever you're at, become a regular Go places, be there, get to know people. You know, go hang out at the same place. Yeah, you could go to a different place, you know, for lunch or whatever, whatever it is you do every, every single time or whatever, you know, variety. But instead, he said, you know, in this book, they were saying, go be a regular somewhere. Get involved in people's lives. Get to know people around you. Because otherwise, you can end up being very cocooned and you don't have any outside connections you know if you're a christian you can end up being this thing where i'm a christ follower and all all the people i know are just the people that are in my congregation so saying this is so they said this is one way to push out branch out so when we moved here four years ago i decided you know i'm gonna do that so turned out just literally half a block from my office downtown there was a coffee shop opened about the same time that i started working there and so I just said, you know, I'm just going to make this a regular spot for me. I'm just going to go there. It was this, this woman and her daughter who were trying to make a go of this coffee shop. And so I got to know them. And so I just started, you know, in little ways or whatever, pouring my life into theirs a little bit just to get to know them, to care about them, to, you know, talk with them, to see if I could help them, you know, advertise the coffee shop a little bit or whatever. And as that proceeded along, it's just a situation arose where as I got to know them, they got to trust me and we began to share love with each other kind of a thing. Um, It turned out that the daughter was going to get married and they were trying to plan the whole wedding. So again, it revolved around a wedding, (laughs) but they were, they were planning their whole wedding by themselves. And they were going to do the reception, all this stuff. And so I said, you know, I just saw a chance. Because that was the other thing it talked about in this book was like not just become a regular, but also to learn to love extravagantly, to show, to take, take risks, you know, go out of the ordinary in terms of how you show love to other people. 
And so I said, you know, so I thought about that, and I thought I just felt God was saying, you know, you should help them with this. And so that's what we did. I recruited my wife and my daughter. Actually, my other daughter was here visiting, so both my daughters and a friend or two kind of a thing. And we put on the wedding reception. We said, you guys, you've got enough to worry about. Don't worry about that. The wedding reception was at the coffee shop. And so basically we came in, we decorated the coffee shop, we set everything out, we ran, you know, we served everything, all that. So they could just focus on the wedding and not have to worry about hmm. anything about trying to make the reception happen. And that just showing that love, I think, was part of what led, as time went by, to that new couple deciding, you know, as they were like, man, we need to connect with God more, and they ended up here. Wow, wow. Well, those are really wonderful stories. It's funny how they both revolve around a wedding, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, you don't think of a, a physicist, uh, a computer programmer jumping into uh, help that way, but uh, I appreciate you and offering yourself and offering your time that way to meet needs uh, for the sake of the kingdom and to really sh express Christ's love. And that really is an example of a living sacrifice. And uh, appreciate that. And I hope, I hope what you've heard today from Brittany and Jim uh, lets you know that uh, it's not just the extraordinary stories, uh, but there are ordinary stories. And there are ordinary moments all around us all the time. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Brittany. Let's give them a hand. Alter your life. So, you know, alter your life, that's what we first did when we, when we said yes to Jesus. It was our first response to grace. It was, yes, Jesus, I, I want you in my life. I, I want you to have me. I want you to, to I, I want to say that I am yours. That's, that's the beginning thought of a living sacrifice. You know, our, I think our, our problem, you know, and, and my problem is when I, I first offered myself to Jesus and said, I'm yours and, and I want you to have me, is that there have been moments in my life where I've gotten distracted and I've, I've offered myself, I've climbed up on that symbolic altar and I've given myself to him, but then there was something that caught my eye. There was something that distracted me and, and I said, no, nah, and I, I climbed down off the altar, and I, I chase or pursue this other thing. And I, I think the thing is, is that we just need to get in the habit of continually offering ourselves to Jesus and continually offering ourselves and climbing back up on that altar and saying, Lord, I'm yours. Would you have me? I want to be, I want to be yours. And so there's, there's come a, a prayer that's become familiar with me and, and our family uh, and it's, it's a prayer that goes simply something like this. You know, Lord, today I, I give you my hands. They're yours to, to use in whatever way. Here are my feet, Lord. May, may you take them wherever you want. May I be willing to go where you want. Lord, here's my, my mind. Lord, I, I, I know that I've put a lot of junk in it. But Lord, I know that you can transform it. And I, I want it to be yours, every neuron firing for you, your spirit guiding thoughts. Lord, my eyes, I give them to you to see the things that you see. Lord, my ears to hear 
what you want me to hear. My mouth to say what you want me to say. My heart, Lord, to feel what it is that you want me to feel. Lord, I give you my whole body. It's yours. Living sacrifice today. And, and that's, that's a simple prayer. Now, uh, maybe that's, that's not nice enough or maybe it's too simple for you. Uh, but, but you could, here's another idea. You could take this hymn that I really believe, it's an older hymn uh, that was written quite a long time ago. Uh, and it really expresses the whole idea of a living sacrifice. And it's very beautiful. Uh, you could print it up. You could, you could have it somewhere in your house or someplace that you see every day, maybe when you get into your car. But it, it's, it's called Take My Life. And these are the words in the band. You guys can come on up right now and we'll continue with our worship. It says this, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you. Take my moments and my days Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for you. Take my voice and and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for you. Take my silver, take my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you would choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, Lord. I pour it at thy feet, its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. And this is the prayer that we could pray every day. If it can be your response to grace, your offering to God. I think it's the, off, the, the response that God desires. At least that's what we read in Romans. 11 chapters of grace and the mercy of God. And then we come to, here's your response. Offer yourself to God. It's your spiritual act of worship. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, in these next few moments... I pray, Lord, that you would work within our hearts and our minds. Lord, move us in such a way that we would want to respond to you and offer ourselves to you because of your grace. And Lord, for those who maybe haven't yet encountered your grace in such a way that has moved them to offer themselves to you, then Lord, I pray that you make your grace apparent, make it visible, make it tangible, make it so they can taste and see that you are good, that you are the Lord, you are God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.